0: Vegas bad boys of podcasting presents the DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco
1: and your host Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of the Future Stars of Wrestling FSW here in Las Vegas with Joe DeFalco. Joe, it's episode 113, which is pretty damn uh, coincidence or ironic that uh, it is the 13th anniversary show coming up on this Sunday, which is Father's Day. Couldn't have timed it better, man.
0: Yeah, I guess what you call it is the luck of the draw. It was, you know, we were looking at doing the anniversary weekend on the 28th, but, you know, with AEW in town, uh, plans changed. So we had to give it certain time, and, You know, when certain people were available, like Hammerstone, you know, you want to make sure your main players are there, you know. And, you know, we pretty much got everything we wanted. Uh, Just found out Viva Van uh, is not able. She thought the show was Saturday, which initially it was. And we were about to make the announcement that we were going to have uh, the vacant women's title decided at the anniversary show. So I guess we're going to hold off on that. And it looks like uh, a lot of the youngsters who are going to be in the pre-show Battle Royal will now be headed on to the main card.
1: Wow. Um, right now, as it stands, how many matches are officially uh, booked?
0: Right now, uh, including the Battle Royal, there will be eight total. So... <coughs> Didn't want to go to nine because, you know, there's definitely matches on the anniversary show that, you know, need time to develop. You right. know, I I can't see Matt Vandergriff and Jay Vidal not going, you know, close to 20 minutes. And that's you know just I mean? their entrances.
1: It, huh? That's just their entrances.
0: No, that's Funny Bones entrance. But yeah. <laughs> who was recently added to the cash in the case ladder, man. So it's weird, you know, you know, things happen the way they happen, but this anniversary show really focuses on the homegrown talent. You know, yeah. there isn't any big name outside guys coming in, you know, obviously a Hammerstone, but he's been our guy for 10 years, you know, and it's, it's, Guys that have become Vegas wrestling legends like Cody and Funny Bone and Jacob Austin Young and Remy Marcel and Sharp, and you know, mixed in with the, the newer breed of the Damian Drakes and the Ice Williams and the Vandegrifts and the Jay Vidals. So, you know, and then the Battle Royal, you know, gives us a chance to uh, relive the, the past history with uh, Dave Mazzani and Leon Hayter coming in uh, for this one, plus some young talent that we like a lot, like Blair Brody is going to be, you know, there with Wolfgang and Devin Reno. So there's going to be, you know, some spots. You know, I don't know if you're aware, but I guess uh, there was a major incident where Bobby uh, Mondo Rocks got fucked up at the uh, BBW show and uh, I didn't know anything about it that happened. I saw a post from Robbie, and then I saw it. Uh, he was using Santana as Santana Jackson as the springboard, and he overshot the opponent, and he basically landed right on his fucking back in his head, and all it is is concrete with a little layer of carpet. So I haven't had a chance. I hit up Robbie to see what was up, but it was weird, wow. you know, kind of cryptic posts. As you know, we'll see if, if Mondo's done, and as this moment he is, and it was like, okay, that seems a little, you know, accidents happen, you know, Mondo overshot it. You know, the, those things, those things happen. So, you know, I'd love the opportunity to speak, but you know, those are two two guys that we you know penciled in as two people that were going to be in the, uh, in the battle Royal, you know, guys that have definitely earned a spot on the show. So I'm not sure what's up with Robbie, but obviously Mondo's probably going to be, uh, not available for that
1: one. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's just awful to hear. Um, and and like you said, accidents do happen. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, it's just, uh, Getting back on the horse type of thing, and and mentally getting past that uh, apprehension of getting back in the ring. So, wow, um, you know, since since that's a, uh, you know something that had just happened um, this past weekend, let me ask you: Is there any uh, person or incident that sticks out in your mind over the uh, thirteen years you've been running? That, um, you know, was a situation where maybe someone did get injured uh, in a freak spot that um, at first maybe they were apprehensive of coming back, but they made their way back. Does anything stick out to you along those types of uh, those lines in the history of FSW? Uh,
0: Yeah, I remember uh, one show where... We did what we called a match after it aired that it was even too violent for television. And it was, I believe, a four-way tag ladder match. And I know the Commandos were in it. Uh, Mike Modest and I think Alcatraz were a team. I think the Von Dooms, and I don't remember who the fourth one was. But at the time, Mike Modest had his valet, and she was seated. At a chair at Ringside, and I remember the commandos, they held Mike Modest up and they threw him, and they were trying to throw him at her, and they either overshot or undershot, but Mike Modest broke his arm oh. and got fucked up. Oh. And you know, that was one that really sticks out because I just remember it, The match was insane. I remember the commandos throwing a chair, and there was this guy Jr. who was green as green can be, big dude. And when he threw the chair, as uh, Jr. got up to the ring apron, he raised his arm like this. So when the chair hit him, it ended up going into the front row and hit a fucking kid in the face. And it was like, oh. what a fucking disaster! We thought that was the uh, the end of our run at Silver Nugget. So. <laughs> that one uh that one for sure stands out. And of all the times at the Nugget, you know, I can't think of you know any injuries. Uh, I remember a couple of crazy stories. <laughs> one time the Vegas Originals, it was uh, Jason Partain and Rush at Samstown. And there was this bald guy in the front row who basically went after Jason Partain and wow. I'm looking at the monitor. And I'm like, "What the fuck!" And it turned out it was Rocky's stepdad who somehow got pissed off. And thank God, because you know Partain was known to to, to go off on occasion, and he didn't know it was Rocky's dad, and he handled himself very well. Then about six months later, uh, Heather Lynn was the manager for like Bryce Harrison. A uh, couple of others, uh, Rick Ellis, whatever it was. And I remember there was a lady screaming at her and like, looking to go after her. And it was Rocky's mother. It was like, what the fuck is going on? You know? It was like, those were, you know, definitely some moments, you know? That, that stood out, you know, in in, in 13 years. <clears throat> you know, you can go from the first show, you know, at the at the, the rancho SWAT me where it was 130 degrees, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, cutthroat Cody, who was crash test at the time, takes a choke slam to get eliminated. He tries to grab the rope, he missed, and he fucking lands straight on the concrete. Worse than uh, Mondo Rocks did. And that's how Crash Test Cody was born. Because he wasn't Crash Test Cody, but he immediately was after that. So that's where the CTC moniker came in, you know. Uh And, you know, guys that worked the first show. You know, Funny Bone had jumped off a uh, basketball hoop somewhere in NorCal. So he had a broken collarbone or whatever, but he got involved in the uh, elimination main event where Nykirk lost to Kenny King. Uh, So he was uh, on the show, but didn't wrestle. And Remy uh, was a guy from New York at the time who Scotty Ice was buddies with. So he got him on the spot in the uh, battle Royal. And we used a bunch of legacies guys But the only three were Cody, uh, Remy, and Funny Bone and Kenny King, you know. And, you know, guys like Gallo were on that first show who kind of come and gone in between, Uh, you know, the most famous tag team in wrestling. Uh, The Cutler Brothers were there along with the Young Bucks. So... You know, it was it was definitely a potpourri of talent. We had last minute cancellations. Uh, Ryan Taylor was booked on that first show and wow. then he held me up for ten dollars. You know, true story. You know, we agreed on a price and then he was like, hey, Joe, you know, I got a show close to home. You know, they're going to pay me ten dollars more. You know, if you could match it. And it's like, dude, it's ten bucks. So if I match it, what happens if they offer you five more? You know what I mean? It's like you made a commitment. Uh, Brandon Gatson was supposed to be on the show, but he ended up not being able to make it, but we knew it. Uh, A guy who uh, grew up to be uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, uh, Chimera, uh, SoCal, uh, him and SoCal Crazy, they were booked on the show, and they canceled because uh, a team called Anchors Away – Uh, They used to run shows in San Diego. And we had talked, but there was no spot for them. So they decided two weeks before to now run the show that they would run in San Diego. And SoCal Crazy and Chimera, needless to say, said, hey, we got a booking close to home. And it's like, okay, whatever. And then down the line, you know, whatever. Little Cholo, he just no-showed. And wow. never showed up. Uh, so it's like, you know, in some of those cases, those guys that hit me up years later, and it's like, dude, you, you blew me off when I, we did our first show. So it's like, no offense, but sorry.
1: Well, and that's something, too, uh, I think any young wrestler who hears those words, that is very important in terms of when you're dealing with, a company that's doing their first show or let's even say it's the first year within their business, uh, it doesn't, you know, doesn't put you in a good standing to uh, make it a commitment and then pull out, especially because of the fact that it's a newer company. If you're going to commit to it, it looks bad because it looks like you're pulling out because either you're being offered more money or, you know, uh, a company that's closer to home that's been around for five, six years might be, you know, the place that you're going to, but you're already committed. It just, it, yeah. it blows my mind.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't, you know, here's your opportunity to break into a new market that hasn't had local wrestling in like 10 years. If you go out there and you perform well, well, you're one of the first guys. You know, I studied YouTube. I saw people that, you know, I enjoyed or I was impressed with at, at the time. It was 2009, you know, and it was like, hey, wow, these young bucks, man. I like these guys. These, yeah. these guys look pretty good, you know. And we ran it at the Rancho Swap Meet, which is a heavy uh, Latino Mexican area. So right. I'm like, hey, I'm going to bring in – uh, Extreme Loco and SoCal Crazy, and I advertised in the Spanish newspaper because I'm thinking, hey, it's Lucha stuff, man. Let's get some Lucha in there. And right. Mike Modest was going to work his old Border Patrol gimmick, you know. And it was like, well, that was kind of weird because, you know, there, there, there was barely any Latinos who came to the show. You know, they weren't impressed with SoCal Lucha guys that they had never heard of. You know right. what I mean? And, you know, it was understandable. You know, it was the first mistake that we had made. But we were lucky enough to draw 231 people. That I will always remember that number. The You know, the day I die. And it was blistering hot. The swamp coolers... Uh, Barely worked because the main air conditioning was broken. And, you know, the Young Bucks dad was there, the Young Bucks. And, you know, years later, months later, you know, when they made it big, they they always remembered working the Future Stars of Wrestling debut show, you know, just because it was so fucking hot.
1: <laughs> uh, when, you, when you think about that being the first show and this one, you know, 13 years later, now you're running an anniversary show. Uh, that is like you said, a, featured a lot on the homegrown talent. Um, obviously this uh, coming Saturday is uh, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary, uh, which is their 20th anniversary show. So uh, for instance, Chris Bay and Kenny King uh, are, you know, committed to their impact duties. Um, if if those two were available, say, how much harder for you does it become to then fit some of the younger guys or guys who might have been around for, let's say, two, three, four years um, that you look at as – deserving but when you have the opportunity to use guys like bay and kenny king does that put you in a situation where it's just more difficult and then can come back on you as oh yeah joe screwed me again here he goes he loves you know putting in chris bay into everything or throwing kenny king in uh when kenny you know is, is hardly here or that kind of attitude Is that something that floats around um, very often when it comes to guys possibly not getting the opportunity because of the fact that you have other guys that, um, you know, are are fan favorites and and have been loyal to you?
0: Well, without a doubt, you know, uh, Chris Bay, if he was available and was wanting to work, Chris Bay would have a spot, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. Kenny's always been kind of in and out, you know what I mean? To where he's always had those ring of honor obligations. So, you know, he was never like, if he, if, if he was not available or he was available, it was kind of like if we had something for him. If we had something for him, then I would hit him up. If there wasn't a set thing. It's like, you know, things got changed because of situations as they always do. You know, sky high, for example, are deserving of a spot. They're a baby face tag team. They had lost to TBD in a contenders match at the Mecca. So to have them wrestle TBD again, well, we, we've already seen that. So that keeps them on the outskirts. You know what I mean? Uh, we have talked to numerous ex-FSW Tag Team Champions, from the Commandos uh, to the 1%, and, you know, we had good conversations, the Reno scum, and the idea was try to bring somebody who, you know, it's an anniversary show, you know, bring a champion from the past. And it just wasn't able uh, to be done, and... At that point, you know, the faction as heels were probably the best option to have that match against DPD. You, okay. you have conflict, you know, it could be a big night for the faction. Ice Williams going for the heavyweight title. That plays into effect. You can put Braxton, you put him in the uh, cash in the case. So, you know, it could be a clean sweep for for lights, camera, faction, could be a big moment. So you want that to play out and, you know, possibly happen. A guy like Nick Xander, he was penciled in the uh, Cash in the Case ladder match. He was a young kid, rookie of the year. You know, he had accomplished other things, and he's done quite well this year. So you want to give him an opportunity a little more, than, say, the Battle Royal, where normally that's where he would have probably fit in. He's only a year or two in. Same yeah. thing with Brett the Threat. Well, the best thing that happened to Brett the Threat was Cal Jack. And we've kind of set up a storyline, so why wouldn't we have the payoff right. at the anniversary show? Uh, the Nick Xander thing came, across, came, came along quick. You know, clutch uh discussed making a return, making a solo return. And you know, he's he's still on our student page, even though he's not a student. And he sees Joe go off on some of the younger guys and seeing what's there. And you know, he truly believes. Now I'm not saying he doesn't believe Nick Xander or Brett the or quality, but he feels, you know, the body of work of a lot of the younger guys doesn't match up to what had been in the past. And he feels that those guys, you know, seem to believe they deserve more without working as hard. So he has that chip on the shoulder. Brett has his match with Cal Jack, who's the perfect option. Who's the perfect foil for clutch other than rookie of the year, who's usually over with the fan base. And we were able to, in one show, make that a credible match that people are interested in seeing. So now you got those matches, Hammerstone and Ice. You know, we've set that up. So now we got the tag match. We got the cash in the case. We got the heavyweight title. You know, we got the the grudge match with uh, Brett the Thread and Cal Jack. Let's make it a submissions match. And then we have, you know, Nick Xander and Clutch. You know, we're already at five matches. Now you add the uh, the Battle Royal, which is six. We thought we had the women's match, which was seven. And then I think the only one we're missing is the ladder match.
1: Well, if I'm not mistaken. Did we, did you, uh, I don't think you said uh, we got, oh, no, uh, at
0: the Nevada State Championship. Where that's over a year in the making with uh, Gregory Sharp and Remy Marcel. So
1: and then, for the cash
0: in uh, the case, we put in four qualifying matches. Damian Drake isn't really feuding anybody, but he's had a big year. He beat Matt Vandergrift. Oh, Vandergrift and Jay Vidal. Yeah. You know, uh, we did a. You know, there was a surprise new new No Limits champion. So the 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 They've had two matches. It's one and one. This is the the tiebreaker with the No no Limits title on the line. Uh, You got Sharp and and Remy, where it's gotten extremely physical with weapons. We're doing a no-hills bar match. And then, as I said, cash in the case. Damien Drake. Uh, Ricky Tenacious, you know, could be his breakthrough moment. Braxton could be his breakthrough moment. Uh, Lazarus kind of, you know, stuck in thanks to Clutch. So now you got four. Well, traditionally we like to do six. So now we're gonna pick the availability. Well, having a guy who's been there since day one, funny bone, in that match, that's the perfect match for him. So now you got five. And then Jacob Austin Young has won it multiple times. And now we got six. And since Death Proof's not a tag, it leaves the other guy. Who's also a former tag team champion, former no limits champion, you know, a rookie of the year, uh, one half of death proof, been around for the entire 13 years. You can't put Cody in the battle royal. So we extend it to seven and now we have the cash in the case. So now one of Dave Mazzani, I hit up like, hey, nostalgia, Leon Hader, uh, you mix in. Hey, Sky High, the Suavecitos, you know, in a perfect world, they, they, they're, they're tag teams that are the upper echelon of our, our, our groupings, but we're not doing another multi-man tag. So they're deserving of being on the show. So, you know, Blair Brody, John Wolfgang, Devin Reno, who've seen, you know, a lot. And we're trying to figure it out, given some new, New Blood maybe their first opportunity ever to be in a ring with some of the younger students working hard and being around. And, you know, I like to reward those guys. You know, Chase Bell, hard-fought, lost. Maybe got robbed against uh, Ricky Tenacious. Of course he's going to be in the Battle Royal. You know, Bodie. Love to have Bodie. You know, uh, I was trying to set up an angle with Disco Inferno for months. Just didn't happen. You know, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen down the line. You know, right. I, I could just see Disco try to obliterate Bodie on the microphone, you know. But, you know, against underage talent, Disco Inferno is 0-1, losing to Maxwell Hardy when he was only two. So, you know, <laughs> who's to say what could happen in this one?
1: <laughs> yeah, and... uh You know, I think, uh, well, you know, it's safe to say I think that Bodie is a little more advanced than uh, good old Maxwell Hardy was when he was two. Um, A little more, yes. A little more. now, Maybe not while he's
0: nine, but who knows how much ring time he's got.
1: Well, here's a question about a scenario, and I've I've never thought of this, but because Bodie is at that point where he's still – you know, maturing into, you know, becoming a man. uh, He's still fairly light. If someone was to, say, throw Bodhi into the front row and he was caught and his feet did not hit the ground, could he be passed back into the ring and technically still be in the battle royal because he wasn't eliminated? Have you ever seen anything like that done?
0: Uh, probably Spike Dudley back in the day. He used to get crowd surfed, you know, Kofi Kingston never touched
1: the ground
0: in numerous occasions, but you know, I got big plans for Bodie. You know, I'm trying to put together, you know, everybody always hears about Joe DeFalco's story about the Splat Pack and Mean Martin and Slammy Davis Jr., which is still in the back pocket. But watching Nick Wayne and Bodie and Billy Starks, you know, I came up with an idea for the Brat Pack. And, you know, there's still other people. The Marcus Mathers kid, he's just 18. You know, Davion, Dana Lynn, you know. And, you know, I think that might have some legs. You know, all these uh, underage talents that are really, uh, you know, Making a name for themselves.
1: So, so we're talking a uh, a Saturday detention match.
0: It could be the
1: Breakfast Club yeah. match. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you think about uh, some of the uh, time that's been taken into <gasps> some of the longer storylines that you've set up here, um, are you satisfied? when you look at the stories now that you feel that they've been taken to a point where the anticipation for the matches themselves equals the hype you were looking to get in that story. You think everyone's done a fairly good job and we're talking, you know, mainly Greg Sharp and, uh, and Remy and, uh, Hammerstone and ice, um, do, do you think that that's reflective in terms of some of the other anniversary shows that you've had the storylines going into them? Do you think this is these are stories that match up to some of the stuff you've done in the past?
0: I think we've done some great stuff in the past. You know, you go you go last year, you know, Jay Vidal and Gregory Sharp. You know, that got set up and and that was you know a great fruit a feud. You know, uh, Banda Griffin and Damian Drake. You know, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was that was after the anniversary show uh, because of the injury? Right. But there was Ice Williams and Chris Bay. You know that. You know that was a, a, a big time deal. You right. know, and, and it's happened. You know, throughout the years that. You know, if you look back, that's what's been the cornerstone of the popularity of FSW, you know, that you know what you're going to get and what you aren't knowing of what you're going to get. You expect it to be good anyway. You know, we'll have shows that we don't announce more than two or three matches, but they have enough faith that FSW is going to bring in a guy that are like, oh, wow, this, this Adrian Quest guy is good. Oh, Royce Isaacs, Terrell Nelson. Oh, yeah, these guys are good. You know, Danny Limelight, you know, there's so much talent. Tito and Shea, Brandon Gatson, you know, Eli Everfly. Like, they always know, you know. I always try to let the, you know, make the students understand. I am never going to bring in a guy who's worse than one of you guys, because as students, the idea is to try to get you on a show. If I bring in somebody lower than you, that leaves you off the show. That really doesn't serve much of a purpose. So when people question, well, why do you bring in Eli Everfly? Well, because he's better than most of you guys. My goal is to try to put the best show out there possible, you know, it's it's not about participation trophies, you know. There's always gonna be hurt feelings. No matter what, everybody's not gonna be happy, you know. Right. The swappacitos and mainly Danny are never happy, you know. I had a yap at him the other last week, you know. He, he's crying about something. It's like you just got a tag team title match, bro. Shut the fuck up, you know, and it's no different than Sky High, who might be quieter about it, but they've been around a while. They see a title change happening, and they see a team that's been presented in a newer way in Shogun and Hero Lou, you know, they might feel slighted, but they aren't gonna say anything to me about it. Right, you know, and some people just go out there, do their job and try to prove to me why they're deserving. And some people go out there, and they think I'm not paying attention, so they need to let me know. I don't have issues with either or. All I expect is professionalism. Go out there and do your job. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's not of my concern. If you don't like it, like some people have in the past, they chose not to be a part of it. You know, I I see guys who I look at that got put in good storylines, but because they didn't win, that was their beef. Oh, yeah, well, I was in a storyline, and I had a video made about me, but I lost in the match. And it's like, okay, and, you know, and I try to explain to the people that are around, you know, when I talk to Hammerstone, it took a long time for me to confide in Hammerstone of what we're looking to do. He's earned that right. And it's like, hey, I got this idea. I got this idea from Remy about young boy beating you to win the heavyweight championship. What do you think? This is the scenario. You're feuding with Cross. Ba, 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 ba. Okay, I can go with that. Okay, now he knows as well as I know. If I was insistent about it, it would happen regardless. But I wanted his stamp of approval because he had done so much for us that he was getting the title back. But I thought this was a good way to enhance the steel cage match that was going to happen, you know, three weeks later. You know, yeah. it, shocked, it shocked the fucking world. You know, it shocked Vegas. It, w- it was a big fucking moment, you yeah. know, and we like to do that on occasion. You know, we had the Young Bucks for a couple shows. So it's like, you know what? We're going to have the Young Bucks win the tag titles at the school. That way people can say, fuck, I should have made it to that show. But usually it only happens at the big shows, So I didn't think I was missing anything. So on the final match of the final show of AEW Weekend the the Full Tilt Collective seven shows deep I decide hey this is what we're going to do and now we have a new no limits champion where people are like oh, man I should have I should have went to the show yeah you're right you should have because you never know what you're going to see and you got to keep the fans on their toes Because if they know exactly what they feel is going to happen, because there's always leaks and and wrestlers are always Facebook friends with everybody, and some people have to like splurt out what's going to fucking happen or leak a little bit about things that you don't want leaked and and things like that. So, you know, sometimes I'm pretty sure almost everybody did not know even when the match was happening, that Matt Griff was winning. You know what I mean? It was like I kind of left that last thing on the, on the run sheet uh, blank. So nobody knew who was going to win, which was the same thing when we did the uh, New Year's Eve show and Jay Vidal wrestled Chris Bay. Yeah. We had Jay Vidal believing that Chris Bay was going to win and the thing happened, he hit the move, and all of a sudden it was one, two, and even Ref Isaac, who fucking knew that that was going to be a title change, you could see, if you look back, go watch, you could see one, two, and he kind of hesitates and then hits the three. Like, even he was still kind of, even though he was told, like, uh, maybe Chris Bay's working me, I don't know. You know, and he counted the three. And and that emotion you see from Jay Baidal, like, he was literally crying his fucking eyes out. Well, yeah. I don't think Jay's that great an actor, but he didn't know. So the emotion hit him like, holy fuck, you know, the company believes in me and giving me the title. You yeah. know, and Chris had to switch it up because, you know... Joey might have told Mikey. Mikey might have told this person. And then it gets back to Chris Bay, you know, three weeks before the show. Oh, yeah, you're winning. And Chris Bay has to downplay it. No, 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 this is what we're going to do. So I got to play up to it. And, you know, Chris Bay hits me up. Like, oh, what the fuck? You can't keep a secret? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's like, you know, it's usually my son who gives it away. Because I tell him thinking, hey, he'll be quiet about it. But then he tells somebody who he confides with who tells somebody. And all of a sudden, everybody, you know, I'm the only person who doesn't know that everybody else knows. (laughs) So with the Vandegrift thing, Joey was sick. So I I didn't let him know. So pretty much nobody knew. (laughs) You know, I went to Jay Vidal the night before at the Silver Nugget. Said, hey, I got this idea. And he was like, cool. And, again, if he didn't like the idea, you know, it, it still would have happened because this is what I was looking to do. But right. I know as close as they are, uh, he, he loved the idea because, you know, th- that relied on Matt who lives in Orlando now, you yeah. know, and, you know, we're, we're still pushing for him. You know, I'm offering him the no-trade exclusive contract, but, you know, waiting to see if he signs it, but he was like, yeah, I'll be here for the anniversary. It's like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. He's like, cool. You know, and, and Matt's great because Matt knows that Joe has gone out of his way to give him some fantastic opponents, yeah. you know, and the guy moved away and he still got to work. Mike Bailey, uh, Chris Bay, Jay Vidal, T.J. Perkins, you know, just to name a few.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't even know if he was in there with him. Maybe not. Um,
1: a weird question. I, I'm pretty sure the answer is that they don't allow it, but Matt Vandegrift uh, recently uh, here, I think within the last week, uh, showed up on uh, Dark. Um AEW tends to have 92,000 titles on their show. They don't necessarily well, allow you talent. Need, you need to... to start over. You kind of blanked out. So so Matt Vandegrift was recently on Dark. Um, you know, AEW has so many belts on their shows. Do they allow uh, the talent uh, to potentially bring out a belt like uh, the No Limits title if Matt wanted to wear it out?
0: Absolutely not. You know, generally most of those guys, you know, as prestigious as it is for them, generally they're in a in a squash match type match. Yeah, you, right. you know what I mean? And it's like, well, that's great if you say he's the FSW no limits champion, but then he gets beat up in 13 seconds. It doesn't really, you know, showcase. For the fans watching, they're not getting to showcase what Matt Vandegrift can do. Matt Vandegrift is going there to try to do whatever the AEW brass want him to do. And in some cases, you get a little offense. In some cases, you get a lot of offense. And in some cases, you get no fucking offense. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It's based on what people know of you. You know, Toa Leona goes in there. Well, to have him get squashed by Orange Cassidy probably wouldn't do him much good. You know, as I joke to him, I'm like, hey, bro, what's up? You going down the dark to get, you know, squashed by uh, Orange Cassidy? Ah, no. And what did they do? You know, he got to shine against FTR in the first three minutes, you know, two minutes of his match. Unfortunately, they had him lose to guys like Cutie Marshall and stuff, but. You know, one was a contracted wrestler and one wasn't. So right. as much as I want to see Toa, you know, get the win, you know, you, you got
1: to get that contract first. Right. Um, and when you look uh, going into this week for the anniversary oh. show, um, what does it look like right now for the ticket situation? And uh, are there still front rows available? What is uh, that shaping up like right now?
0: Well, you know, we still got we still got tickets available, you know. Uh, you know, I would have hoped by now uh, front row would have been sold out, but it, it's not yet. You know, it's Father's Day coming off seven big shows a couple weeks ago. You know, it's going to be a great show. You know, we expect a good crowd, but I would hope on our anniversary we have a great crowd, so – you know at this point i'll be honest i'm a little disappointed on you know what's going on in the ticket pricing you know the ticket pricing is good we 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 kind of kept it lower uh, than the AEW weekend just because i know financially a lot of people took a big hit so it's like you know we got a lot of a lot of our regulars in the front row as usual and you know, walk-ups always an important factor also. So it always makes you nervous that even a good pre-sale doesn't guarantee a big crowd. You know, last year we had back-to-back anniversary shows and we drew very, very well the first show. And the second show was a combination of two nights in a row as well as, Uh, you know rancho swap me type heat with the air conditioning broken on day one caused us to have you know far less people day two but we still had a great amount of people there so you know if we can do the low-end numbers of last year's anniversary show you know i'll be more than happy there's a lot of stuff going on you know and right you know the more you look at it, the more of a factor it is with so many things. And I'm not just talking wrestling. I'm just talking everything that that's going on in this town. You know, in the last year they've added, you know, a, an arena, indoor football team, a minor league hockey team, you know, they got the aces still, you know, there's just a lot of shit going on. There's concerts are now full blown everywhere again. You know, sometimes there's a lot more limited stuff. You know, people wanted to get out. Last year's anniversary show was kind of the coming out party for people to actually go out and do things. So now between the network and ordering it on Fight TV, some people would rather relax and, you know, sit at home and enjoy the show there, you know. Or, hey, who wants to watch uh, Impact Slammiversary? You know what I mean? And not that you can't watch it later. But, you know, I'm not going to make any excuses that it's Father's Day because I know in the past we run Mother's Day or Father's Day and we've done well. So, you know, there's still plenty of time. Our regulars, you know, they'll commit because they know they can commit at any time. So, you know, we have two-thirds, three-quarters of front rows sold out. So it isn't like, oh, shit, you know, we got 20 front rows sold. But, you know, we're seeing some familiar faces and, you know, we're counting on the students. We're offering, you know, heavily discounted prices for family and friends of of the younger wrestlers. And now we're going to see how a guy who's never been on an FSW show as talent who gets to be in the Battle Royal, you know, shows his worth by saying, hey, Joe, here's some money. I sold six tickets. You know, it'll be really disappointing, again, if Dave Mazzani outsells all the fucking kids on ticket sales because he hustles.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking <laughs> of ticket prices, I, I don't think I ever asked you this question uh, over the last couple of years. When you think back to the first Rancho Schwab Meat show, the first show, if you were to do today throwback prices, what was the price of a mission for that show?
0: I'll be honest with you. I believe because I don't really remember. And I think they were 20 or 25 bucks for front row, and probably 10 or 15, leaning toward 15 on the uh, on the GA. Now Back in the old days, I could go on Facebook, and when you scroll down, it gives you the year. So if I went and did the year, but of course they took that away. You know, I can't erase one message. Yeah. You know, I I or I can't like hit a box and erase a bunch of messages. I have to do either all of them or one at a time. There's so many ridiculous things. In the past, I'd scroll down and be like, "Oh, okay, 2010." Or 2009, boom, let me click it. And then it'll show a flyer that we did, and it'll show me the price. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you, you can't even do that anymore. I probably have a flyer for that event uh, somewhere in my my collection of things. But I know we did uh, the throwback prices at the calm before the storm. <clears throat> right. And we did $20 front row. And $10 general admission. And, you know, it definitely helped with some late sales
1: for the event. Uh, Let let me ask you this, then. uh, Since we are dealing with, um, you know, a little bit of uh, just inflation and, you know, recession-like feelings and, you know, just everything kind of, yeah, out of... of, uh, (coughs) Out of what it was just a year ago to what it is today, even, um, how does that affect you as a business owner in trying to, you know, maintain the standard that you've established uh, and yet at the same time, trying to make sure that you're also not totally taking a bath on, um, you know, making sure that shows get done and that, you um, everything is up to the standards that you have set for FSW.
0: Well, when I'm putting a show together, I don't really look at the numbers of the cost and things like that. That's usually added in afterwards when the cards kind of set. And then I'm like, Oh, I wonder how much this show's going to cost. All right. Now we got the venue and now it's like, Oh, okay. Uh, You know, FSW versus Revolver was extremely expensive. Yeah. You know, not only because of the talent. And again, the talent were great. You know, hey, this is an important show for us. So Sammy's crew worked for a rate I would never get them for. And the main guys of ours worked, you know, for the pricing they would normally work for me for. And, you know, everybody did their part. To make it happen and you know the bottom line was well we had to get some flights you know and the jt dunn's and you know the josh alexander's and the trey miguel's but we were lucky enough like like for example not that we were lucky but trey miguel was doing mocap in san francisco so yeah. he had a flight here problem was he got to our show late because there was an issue He didn't get done the mocap early enough, and he missed the flight and had to go on a later flight. And basically, as our show was ending, there's Trey Miguel walking in. Hey, what's up, Trey? You know what I mean? So we're not responsible for that. But a lot of times, there's three-way splits, and Josh Alexander had a show, and and Prestige was running where some of the guys were on. So the cost uh, became less. But, again, it, it was still a show that's going to cost twice as much as the anniversary show because the anniversary show, we're using the best of our localized talent, you know, and, you know, if you're not from Vegas, obviously Arizona with Hammerstone, Jacob Austin Young, you know, but Cal Jack lives out here now, and, and you got Ice and you got Remy and you got Sharp and, you know, you, you got – Jay Vidal and Vandegrift gets himself out here and, you know, Damian Drake and Nick Sander and Clutch and all these guys have been a major part of FSW. Now do I, you know, also new Japan's running that day. So that eliminated the uh, opportunity to use the 1% Tom Lawler and Danny Limelight, you know, would have loved to incorporate all four of those guys. How good would the No Limits title match be if Danny Limelight was inserted into it and it was a, a three-way match? Sure. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there, there was Tom Lawler, special guest referee in Cal Jack versus, you know, Brett the Threat. Just little things that could have been done to to make the card better. Oh, TJP, he's stuck in Japan, the bum Doing the super junior. It's more important than the FSW anniversary show. (laughs) You you know what I mean? It's like, you know, those opportunities, you know, are there. Jeff Cobb. Not that we use Jeff very often, but if he's in Vegas, the opportunity is possibly there. You know what I mean? And, you know, it works out because I probably would have to scramble if, you know, if three or four of those guys were able to make it, you know, what happens to the card? Well, right. now there's no excuses. Number one, if we don't draw as well, well, maybe that's the reason why we need to bring in other people because they know you guys. They've seen you guys. They need fresher things. You right. know, this, this is the culmination of feuds. So, you know, this is an important show for us. It's our anniversary. This is where the family comes together. So, you know, in reality, attendance is extremely important
1: to me. Yeah. Um, Any final thoughts as we kind of get ready to wrap up here this week? uh, Going into this Sunday, uh, again, it's the 13th anniversary show. Ah, uh, you'll be able to uh, get your tickets now on fsw.com, or uh, check out if you can't make it out. Check out Fight TV. I believe it's uh, it's running on Fight TV. Uh, how much is the pay-per-view uh, if they do it on Fight, Joe? Ah, uh, for George Foreman, Furman
0: who'll be uh, watching it, uh, taking care of his mom still. Uh, it's fourteen ninety-nine. You know, except now George will bring six of his friends over. So instead of getting that forty-five bucks a pot, I'm only getting one fifteener.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, you know, when you when you look at this week, uh, just anything else you want the fans to know, anything uh, that you want to share before uh, we uh, call it uh, a wrap, and uh, look forward to the show on Sunday.
0: Well, you know. It is our anniversary. It, it 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 celebrates the very first FSW show, and you know the homegrown talent. Regardless of what Clutch says, you know, you know. After him, we've also had Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift and Ice Williams. You know, and Damian Drake, maybe Damian Drake was around then. But, no, Damian Drake was after Clutch, you know. And you just see so much of the young talent who's on that show. You got Ice Williams in the main event. You got, you know, Fresco and Watson in the tag title match against two homegrown guys, Shogun and Hero, trained exclusively at FSW. You know, you got Remy and Sharp. Sharp started with us 9, 10 years ago uh, as a 19-year-old kid from California with some experience with Jesse Hernandez and San Bernardino, you know. And, you know, looking looking at the card, you know, Lazarus, we trained him. Ricky got a lot of his training with us. Uh, Damian Drake with us. You know, Jacob austin Young. With us, Cody, mainly with us, you know, funny bone, you know, he'd already been in the system, but, you know, you, you look at all the guys that are challenging for titles or have titles, you know, it's a, who's who, of Las Vegas wrestling, you know, our guys dominate the scene, you know, that's why you see a lot of our guys, working everywhere else because they're the cream of the crop.
1: And fans, if, uh, again, if you uh, don't have your tickets yet, uh, get the tickets. Well, what time are doors opening, Joe? And what time is the uh, – We're
0: doing a little meet and greet at 4.30 uh, for the VIPs. Doors open at 5. You know, it's the summer, so we want to get you guys out of there. So we're going to start at 6.00. So the show should be over, you know, between 830 and nine. And, you know, uh, you know, we're looking forward, you know, that we're still hoping Sin Bodhi. I forgot he's also going to be in the Battle Royal. You know, the date came available. Well, you know, unfortunately, 10 days before there, there isn't room to just add a match to have Sin Bodhi on. You know what I mean? Right. And love to. But, you know, we're still talking to a few others who haven't been seen in a while. That you know, nostalgia-wise, you know, it might it might be cool to see, you know, a, a face that you haven't seen in an FSW ring in two years or six years, you know, or ten years, you know.
1: So, uh, so that push to get uh, Greg Romero uh, looks like it paid off, huh? Uh, you never know. I guess you would you would have to
0: be there, you know. <laughs> But honestly, I think there's a better better chance that uh, Eddie Guardado is going to be there before him. So, <laughs> oh, but man. you know, it, it is what it is. Now, you know, yep. everybody, you know, that pandemic changed, you know, a lot of people's lives and, you know, their direction of what they were, you know, looking to do moving forward. And we're always been a company that, hey, you want to be here. That's who we want. If you don't really are engaged in being here. You know what? There's a thousand other guys, you know, and I'm not exaggerating when I say a thousand other guys from all over the United States that would love the opportunity, you know, look, just, just take a look at AEW weekend at look at the draw and the other shows to where, you know, guys who lived in the Midwest or Jared Diaz from Florida are trying to figure out schedules to get themselves out here because they want the opportunity because they've seen the great talent. Yeah. And it isn't only just great talent. Anybody can say, Oh, okay. I'm going to book Davy Richards and I'm going to book Kenny King and I'm going to book Chris Bay and I'm going to book Trey Miguel. It's booking guys like the Jay Vidal's and the Matt Vandergrift's and these younger dudes who are really, really good, but they're under the radar. And the Eli Everflies and things like that. So Jared Diaz now looks at, hey, you know what? I'm really good. I might not be feeling that I'm getting the right opportunities. You know, maybe if I go to FSW, it opens up the West Coast scene for me. You know, I can maybe get some bookings elsewhere. But I know, being the style of wrestler I am, there's a good chance I'm going to work a Jay Vidal, a Matt Van de Griff a Damian Drake, you know, a, a lot of the uh, the younger no-limits talent that we have in the division, which, you know, I believe is the number one reason why guys like Sky High and the Suavecitos and Nick Xander and Chase Bell have gotten as good as they have at such a limited time doing this. because. Yeah. Whether it's in training or it's in matches, they're usually, as they say, you, you want to get better, work better people. Well, you know, it's as good as it gets. You know, you can walk in, you know, on an FSW training session and and see, you know, half the roster there. So, you know, how do you not get knowledge from people? And then you got a Kenny King and a Sin Bodie, and you got – you know, a Cody around or a TJP occasionally, a D-Lo Brown occasionally to where these guys, you know, can give you information. They can give you knowledge, you know, then you got the guys like Van de Griff or or Jay Vidal who are working in Impact or an AEW Dark, or you get a guy who's coming in uh, from out of town like a Toa or a Juicy who's now signed with MLW that you know look at all the guys that make it and look at all those guys when i first used them they they hadn't made it yet but i saw something in him or in them because again i'm not going to bring in out-of-town talent that i don't feel uh are you know going to get to a higher level than they're at already you know what i mean so it's like you know you're going to get those opportunities and some guys get those opportunities by making them for themselves. Like, I got a list of like, I hit up John Wolfgang, like, dude, how many of you guys are coming from Arizona? And he listed like nine guys, like three of them, I have no idea who they are. And it's like, hey, just so you know, there might be some spots like for you and Blair Brody and Devin Reno for a battle royal. But unless things occur, like, there may be one or two spots available because I'm pretty sure Mondo rocks won't be on the show. And I don't know where Robbie's head is at the time. So yeah. if those two spots don't open, we were looking to do an even number, you know, can't do 13 because that's not enough people. So you're looking to do 20 mm-hmm. or 25 or it's Vegas. You could do the lucky 21 Nick Bob Winkle battle Royale. Now, yeah. if I have 19 guys, because uh, Sky High's not going to be there and I got to add to I got to see which one of my students who's never had a opportunity to be in ring, is he more valuable to use than say a guy like Kevin Koa from Arizona who you know came out for three three months, six months just trying to help and be around when needed. and then when he got the opportunity, I'll be honest, first time we had him used he had a shitty match and it was like, "Ugh." well, we needed somebody in the tag team and him and Eldon, you know, and I wasn't aware of their work and they had a really good match against TBD. So now those guys, if a spot opens, they're the first ones that are going to get it because yeah. they made the effort.
1: Yeah. And that's uh, one of the most important things. Uh, again, if you're a young wrestler, it's, all about the effort and uh, Arizona sets a good example where the guys travel together. uh, And uh, you know, one might be booked on the show, but eight others come and support each other and it's good to be seen and shake hands and say hello. And uh, you know, it's just part of that networking. And I think that's a big thing that uh, you know, gets forgotten. um, You know, Travel in groups, network, uh, get your faces out there because it really does help. I heard,
0: I heard rumors the big boss might even be down, Dom
1: the Bomb Vitale. Wow. I didn't think Dom traveled anymore. But I guess wow. he was right. He he just wrestled at uh, the ECW arena, which was yes. uh, on his list. So
0: Yeah, he's close friends with our ring announcer.
1: Yes. Yes, he would be, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it's uh, Josh Shibata, right, you're talking about?
0: Uh, no, I think it's the other one.
1: <laughs> so, uh,
0: you know, the thing is, it's like, you know, if there's a spot and he wants it, I, I why would I not give Dom Vitale a spot? Dom Vitale in, uh, here's a, uh, a trivia question, if you're ever asked. Uh, Dom Vitale was part of the worst battle royal in the history of fsw okay <laughs> i believe it was the first silver nugget show okay and we actually had guys from au at the time uh i'm not sure if uh tommy misfit or thomas Day, as he's now known was in the battle royal because he was in a pre-show he may have been there was a guy lex luco This guy, Jay Jameson, Uh, Dom was in it. Uh, His old partner, Frenchie Rivera, Uh, Captain Calico. Uh, He was friends with like Cyanide and Vintage Dragon. But if you could ever find that, that was fucking abysmal. Uh, Wolf, who wrestled a little at Big Valley back in the day. I think I had him ref a match or two, so I don't even know if he was in that match. But I just remember it was a hodgepodge of young guys, and it was the fucking worst.
1: Uh, do you remember who won that?
0: Uh, I do not know. I'm going to say it might have been Dom, to be honest with you. So maybe, <laughs> maybe he's 13 years later. You know, he is going to try to defend his title. Because when I get off the line with you, I'm going to actually see, you know, I might actually do it now. Go on YouTube. I would hope that somebody was smart enough never to put that fucking match where anybody could see it. You know, we've had some bad matches. You know, there's my uh, voiceover for the Blue Chew when they uh, – Sponsored Cross and uh, John Moxley. <laughs> Bet you didn't know that.
1: Oh no, no, we had no idea that. Uh, yes, was the voice of Blue Chew for one uh, glorious.
0: Uh... Yes. You know they paid well.
1: Oh, I hope but they would.
0: Eighth anniversary, and that ain't looking like it. Well, you know, now. We-
1: Everyone guess, needs to to, uh, to get out there and uh, scour the Internet and see if uh, someone actually posted that match.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to go look at the FSW Network, only $6.99 a month, and you could see the classics like that on the line. You could see, I might want to do that, make a list of the worst matches in FSW history. Because I remember one. We were doing uh, a, a favor. And we did a spot at uh, Sunset Station. Uh, it was some kind of taco festival or whatever. Sure. And that was when actually the main event was, was like uh, Greg Romero was feuding with Kenny King. And then okay. Ken couldn't make any of the shows after it. So that match never happened. And of course it became my fault, but we had two students. Okay. And they were students. Uh, This guy, Chris and uh, Marco and Marco had been training probably on and off for a year and a half, but he'd be in for like a month or two, disappear for three back for two. So he didn't even have a match. And Kenny was like, well, you know, what about him? And I'm like, yeah, he he definitely ain't ready. No, you know, I've seen him. He's all right. You know, I'll keep it short and sweet. And they probably had a four or five minute match. Neither guy could get up for anybody. It was like they're trying to do body slams. And it was just like, man, I hope nobody came to this festival. Because if they did, they'd be like, wow, this is the fucking worst wrestling I've ever seen. Then there was a guy who was actually Chris Bay's first tag team partner, uh, Heck Dynamite. And he was going to wrestle Cody. And, and Heck Dynamite wasn't bad. You know, he was moving along quick. But for some reason, like, he was having a panic attack, and he couldn't remember shit. And he's in the car, and Chris was trying to, like, you know, chill him out or whatever. And this was before, you know, Co- Cody was maniacal Cody, so he was a lot more pleasant, thankfully, at the time. But, you know, he forgot all his shit, and it was just fucking bad. And wow. it was just like bad match after bad match, wow. you know. And, you know, offhand, there's, there, there's a few. You know, in Mesquite, we did the last Mesquite show. Uh, there was a women's match, and there was another match that followed what I thought was going to be the worst match ever at the time, was shockingly followed up by the next match on the show. That's possibly the worst ever. (laughs) So you might be able to find that one online. Uh, I believe that was the last Mesquite show, which featured uh, Kevin Cross and Chris Masters and Kenny King against Jacob Austin Young. So it wasn't a bad show, but right. oh, some dreadful shit, man! I'll tell you.
1: Well, that's uh, that's a, a mission to come up with a, a yeah. list. Uh, Homework assignment. On, yeah, put it on the FSW website and uh, let people uh, debate. Five dollars uh, off!
0: Five dollars off if you watch any of those matches. But you got to give me a kind of. Uh, You can't just say you saw the match. You actually got to tell me what
1: happened. Oh, man. Well, there you go. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you can get $5 off if you can uh, prove that you actually sat through one of those matches. Not even all those, just one of those matches. So,
0: You know, some of them weren't even, like the ones at Sunset Station, I mean, at Sunset Park, uh, I'm pretty certain but you know what we probably did film it now you know i got like all the mini dvs of like every show we ever did so it may never really gotten transferred over because it was the fucking shits but i'm pretty sure we do have that but it's hard to get those mini dv players anymore so yeah that's the only way to play it back
1: yeah Yeah, the transfers uh, nowadays, uh, if you don't have that. uh...
0: Yeah, there used to be a store that that's all they did. It was on, I believe, Flamingo in either Paradise or Maryland. Hmm. And it was like VHS something. And because when we did the TV show, we would have to put it into a different format. And they would do that. And we were able to capture the mini DVs also.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's, that's, uh, that's something that uh, is going to be interesting to see down the road if the FSW vaults uh, contain some of uh, the most notoriously bad matches in history of not only FSW, but maybe even pro wrestling as it's, it's come out. So uh, keep your eyes peeled, everyone. Uh, again, uh, it's this Sunday. It's Father's Day. It's 6 p.m. start time. Uh, for the FSW 13th anniversary show, again you can catch it on Fight TV. If you can't make it into Vegas, fourteen ninety nine will be the price on that. Uh, and uh, looks like it's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, the guys, you know, worked their asses off, uh, you know, the, the past uh, half a year or so getting ready uh, with the storylines just just a fascinating, uh, you know which is a fascinating setup to to a lot of these stories uh, that uh, are going to culminate on Sunday. So, uh, you know, don't uh, miss out on it. Uh, We appreciate everyone for tuning in. And uh, next week, it looks like we'll uh, talk about what happened at the show and uh, where we're headed from here. So Joe, until then, we uh, will see you Sunday and we'll see everyone else next week.